After years of fine print contracts and getting ripped off by overpriced wireless providers, if we've learned anything, guys, it's that there's always a catch. So when I heard that for a limited time, all Mint Mobile wireless plans are 15 bucks a month when you purchase a three-month plan, I thought, what's the catch? But after talking to them, it all made sense. There isn't one. Mint Mobile's secret sauce is that they sell wireless service online. They cut out the cost of retail stores and pass those sweet savings directly on to you. I haven't skipped a beat using Mint Mobile services. I have a great service even when I'm traveling for over less than 70% of what I was paying before. Listen to Uncle Chael and say bye-bye to your overpriced wireless plans, jaw-dropping monthly bills and unexpected overages. Mint Mobile is here to rescue you with premium wireless plans starting at 15 bucks a month. All plans come with high-speed data and unlimited talk and text delivered on the nation's largest 5G network. Use your own phone with any Mint Mobile plan and bring your phone number along with all your existing contacts. Ditch overpriced wireless with Mint Mobile's limited time deal and get three months of premium wireless service for 15 bucks a month. To get this new customer offer and your new three-month unlimited wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month, go to mintmobile.com slash chael. That's mintmobile.com slash chael. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash chael. $45 upfront payment required. That's equivalent to $15 a month. New customers on first three-month plan only. Speed slower, above 40 gigabytes on unlimited plan. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tacova's is your first stop for the best in Western style. And by the way, you don't have to be into the Western look to grab a good-looking pair of boots. I recently got a pair of ostrich skin round-tip boots, and I'm warm with my suit. These boots are so versatile that I can throw them on with a full head-to-toe suit. And Anthony Smith came right up to me and he's asking me where I got them. Well, I told him the only place to get them, Tacovas. And they have a seasonal limited edition offering. It's right now, this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, accessory, and more. My wife just surprised me with the ostrich wallet and a belt for my birthday, in case you've seen me. I feel like I look pretty sharp in it. I truly do. And Tacova's has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Plus, their direct-to-consumer pricing keeps value on your feet and money in your pocket. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary beverage or two, and shop for new styles. The smell of fresh leather and a friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience quite like it. If you can't make it into the store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and they ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your favorite pair of boots today. Have I sold you? Are we good? Are we good? Do we go home? No, we don't. Because the entire issue is to get him away from Volk. There's one guy. There just happens to be one guy. And that one guy might be going up to 55. Do you see the problem now? What's happening, guys? Happy Tuesday! And thank you for joining another special episode of Your Welcome. Man, what a weekend it was. We got Conor McGregor doing one of the all-time troll jobs. We got Ilya Taporia, and he's saying he can tap out Alex Volkanovsky, which does not seem easy to do. And I'm going to tell you why Marab is sabotaging his own career. But before we get into any of that, guys, the emotions were high on Saturday morning between Max Holloway and the Korean Zombie, and it's only right to begin today's show here. Let's talk honor. People will call this a martial art, and, and I'm well aware it's called mixed martial arts, but I also push back to tell you 
The term mixed martial arts only came up to get a law passed through the legislature in Nevada in 2001. I mean, I do think it's very relevant. Like, people have really clung to this honor and respect and all the ideas that they have about martial arts, which they don't have from anywhere other than the movies. Like, all the ideas that you have about bow and honor and what respect is, you don't have that from the streets or the dojos or because you sacrificed. You watched a Bruce Lee movie. And then you watch Chuck Norris movies. Like, I'm, I'm just sharing with you, like, your ideas of martial arts, they really don't come over. And I'm all for sportsmanship, but I'm more for entertainment, in fairness. But that doesn't mean that of the pie, I control all of it. Of course there's an honor, for sure. And of course there's a respect. And I look at Patty the Batty, and I speak about Patty the Batty differently. After he went into a fight at home, in front of the home crowd, pulled that weight off that was, you know, is very difficult, and then it gets revealed to us that he was carrying around the mourning and the loss of a friend. I look at Patty, and I speak of Patty different. I thought he was an interesting-looking British guy with a quick wit. I didn't understand what a real person this was. And I bring that to you. Could you imagine what Max Holloway was feeling going into that fight with Zombie? First off, okay, you got jet lag. That, that's tough to deal with. When you go into a, a, a different country, a different continent than you live in, you don't have a car. You don't have a refrigerator. Like getting food or getting around. I mean, some of these, these simple things that you take for granted. When you go read a menu, you don't know what it is. Now you're cutting weight, though. You got to make weight. You got to rehydrate. Like there's just some stuff. You're in a different time zone. You're in a different bed. The television isn't the channels you know. And I'm not making excuses. Many fighters have spoke about this. Valentin Shevchenko fought over in Singapore, and she just said, "Look, I'm sorry for the performance," but she also said, "Why?" Those aren't excuses. She was sharing real reasons with you. I bring this to you. So Max has to go in against Zombie, a fight that I wanted stopped. Max Holloway is the number one fighter on earth when Volkanovski isn't there. Just the truth. Volkanovski is one decision away from Max being the number one fighter in the world again. I mean, Volkanovski is flirting with the idea of going to 155 pounds. And I do believe the next time he goes, this is just chill, believe it, but I do believe the next time he goes, he's staying. I don't think he's coming back home. So I just share with you, I mean, this is how good Max is. This is not without embellishment. Of the six billion men on earth, they only found one that can beat him. And he's going to go in there with Zombie, who was half retired. And the odds makers over at DraftKings didn't get Zombie a chance, and neither did I. And it wasn't to kick Zombie. There's just a time when other guys are in their prime and... And you're on your way out. It's just a reality. And this was the situation. Now they're going to put him into a five-round main event. I don't feel he can follow the golden rule for three rounds. I don't feel, last week, that Zombie can follow the golden rule and protect yourself at all times for three rounds. And they're going to put him into a five-round atmosphere. But this was the situation. Okay, great. It's very hard to be that kind of a favorite. Because now you don't get anything out of it. Now you can only lose. To be that kind of a favorite, you think that that's a cool thing? Guys much prefer to be the dog. Like, they want people to believe in them, and they want a confidence out there. Sure, they do. But to be that kind of a favorite, if I go out and smoke this guy, but I was supposed to smoke him, I don't get any bounce for it. All I did is what I was supposed to do. It's one of these weird situations. Then you tie in the catastrophic nature of Max's home state of Hawaii. He's at a press conference two days before the fight. He breaks down in tears. This is the baddest dude in the world. This is the guy that they've put train killers in there to try to hurt him. They can't do it, but this hurt him. He's carrying this with him. He has a tremendous stress, and we don't even know what's behind the scenes. I can only imagine whether Max knew people, had people, had family, had located him, hadn't located him, helping him rebuild. Like I mean, I could only imagine what was really going on. And he's got to walk out there and he's got to deal with the guy who earned the moniker of zombie because you can't hurt him. And sure enough, we're still calling him the zombie because it's very hard to hurt him. Now, I bring this to you because what do you do in that situation? If you have a guy who, according to the odds makers, according to old Chael P over here, Bad Guy Inc., should not have even been booked against you, but should have been booked against somebody else. If you have a guy like that, what do you do? 
Do you go show off? Do you go and play with the guy? Do you go and showcase? You ever hear that word? You never hear that word from me. Like, you got to be a different level of scumbag to ever say I'm going to go showcase my skills. But there's scumbags out there, and you do hear that word. Is that what you do in that situation if you're Max? Or do you bring your absolute best and put him down if you can? That's the answer. That's the honorable thing to do. That's where respect is at. And Max did find himself in a fight. I mean, Max found himself in a fight that was as hard as any fight that Max has had in a meaningful period of time. I mean, Zombie went out there and he did what he was hired to do. He did what he was expected to do. And Max delivered as well. It was just, it was one of these great moments. And I don't take a pleasure in the fact that Zombie got knocked out. You guys haven't seen a lot of knockouts. If I was just asking you the last month, you watch all the shows, you go, yeah, I watched one championship and I watched Bellator and I watched UFC and there was eight knockouts, Chael. What are you talking about? It's like, eh, no, there wasn't. Uh, as a matter of fact, I think that was the only one. I'm not talking about a guy goes down and we stop the fight or the announcers yell it was a knockout. I'm talking about when a guy is unconscious. That's a knockout. And it really was a special moment, and that's the way that it was supposed to end. I had a coach when I was growing up named Roy Pittman, and Roy Pittman would show up to every single tournament and match with a towel over his shoulder. And people didn't know why he had the towel. He never used it. I mean, they like, go have a snack, and they use the towel. To, he never used the towel. The towel was just there. And it turned out that the towel was if one of his athletes was ever trying to make the opponent look bad, he would stop the match, and his athlete would lose. The coach stops the match, you lose, right? Throwing a towel in a wrestling match is no different than throwing the towel in an MMA fight. You lose. And he would only use that towel if his athlete was superior to the opponent and tried to make them look bad. And he had to use the towel twice in his 53-year career. And I, I bring it to you because that's how I was brought up. That's how I was trained. You don't make a guy look bad. If you can get him out of there, you get him out of there. You don't carry him. You're not doing a guy a favor by carrying him. And nobody ever does that, by the way, not fully and intentionally. They don't just help somebody through a match. They will go out and they will make them look a fool while they're showing their speed and their skills and their new techniques. And look at this roundhouse that I've never tried anywhere, but I saw it on TV one time and it sure looked cool. I mean, it's, it's one of these things. And that's just not what Max did. It's not what Zombie did. They, those guys went out and fought. And Max put him down and Max had to deal with that. You saw that absolute relief from Max, right? When you saw Max jumping into the crowd, you're seeing a relief. Because you're seeing all that pressure, all that stuff that he brought with him, all that stuff from his home state. He's got being a huge favorite, being in the main event, being in a different country. You have a relief. Fighters often tell you, I'm never fighting my opponent. My hardest opponent is with myself. But they don't elaborate on that. If they were to elaborate, they would tell you, I get in my own way. I will beat myself. I will find a way out. I will find a way, regardless of who's better, to lose this fight just to have conclusion to the fight because it's so damn stressful and I can't take it anymore. Max doesn't do that. Max is amongst your great competitors. But when you saw that celebration, he wasn't celebrating knocking Zombie out. He wasn't celebrating retiring Zombie. It was none of those things. It was an absolute personal battle that he had with himself and he finally had closure and relief. And that's when you saw that exhale. It's not being a bad sport. There, there's something in our sport when you over-celebrate when a guy is unconscious. There's a reason they won't do the interview when the guy is unconscious. Those mistakes have been made before. And you're just trying to show a sportsmanship. And Max was just showing you a relief. And he had the right to feel that Holloway go from here and this is a tough one right the most glaringly obvious answer is he goes to 155 pounds now the reason that's an interesting topic Max feels as though he went to 155 pounds and it was just too much it was just too much size right he popped up there he takes on Dustin Poirier and it was just too much goes back down to 45 Amongst the best to have ever done it. Not just right now, to have ever done it. And what Max doesn't realize is it's a different animal now. 
right? With age and you get this maturity and you get this strength. And Max was never fully committed to 55. He went up to 55, but going up to 55 and being a 55 pounder are two very different things. And if Max just took a, a little period of time, and it's, it's not all that much, but much, by the way. Like, you don't need to go do the John Jones and sit for three years. You, you, you could do this in much closer to four or five months. And nobody showed us how effective and how quickly you could do a weight change than Volkanovski. Volkanovski even brought us along the journey of when he did it. He quite literally had a food sponsor that wanted him to advertise the food in exchange for giving him the food, and he would show us quite literally what he ate every day. I mean, th this is something that can be done very fast. You're talking about 10 pounds. And Max, just with age and maturity, it is a different body and it is a different frame right now. He could go to 155, and he could be a massive impact player right out of the gate. And 55, as fun as it is, is becoming... The dinosaur division. I mean, not not for nothing, but show me a young guy that's up at 55 that we care about. It's it's one of these things. Like, it's got to be rinse and repeat or you don't have a business. It, it has to be out with the old and in with the new. And these guys are clinging to it. And these new guys don't even know how to break in or get their attention, right? It's, it's one of these things where if you brought somebody like Max, it's already a box office draw. He could go in and get in there. We don't know who the best fighters at 55 are because you have five stars. You got 15 guys that are ranked, which is stupid. You have 10 guys that are ranked that make sense, but 6 through 10 can't get the attention of 1 through 5. So if you bring somebody in like Max that can kick everybody's ass and he's already a box office draw, he could get on the docket with one of them dinosaurs. And it's a real problem that 55 has. And the first new guy that comes along goes and beats all of them, Islam Markelchev. But there's more Islams in the division. They're just not stars. And they can't get on the, right? I mean, it's a, it's a real meaningful thing. You've got to do something about it. Not to mention 45's getting a little stale with Max going through and beating everybody up. I mean, it's to the point that we're having to make number one contenders. And the, and the best way we can make one is have them not fight Max. We know they can't beat Max. We know nobody can beat Max. So if we're going to have a number one contender, let's just find a guy. Let's bring him along and let's have him not fight Holloway. So it would just seem as though taking him to 55 solves all the problems. Not to mention, he is amongst the great talents of any weight class. You come on the pound-for-pound pound list and you don't put Max on it, you simply lose credibility. Have I sold you? Are we good? Are we good? Do we, do we go home? No, we don't. Because the entire issue is to get him away from Volk. There's one guy. There just happens to be one guy. And that one guy might be going up to 55. Do you see the problem now? So if Max does it the right way, he leaves 45 behind. He puts on the size, right? He's got one of, one of the great nutritionalists and minds in, in sports medicine out there with Tyler. He can go and do this as quick as Volk could. But it has to be a commitment that's not just physical. It has to be mental. See, that was the side of it. He never mentally committed. It's what caused Volkanovski the championship that night. Physically, here I am, but mentally, I'm going back to 45 anytime I want to. It was one of these things. He wasn't all in. So let's just say that Max goes all in and he goes to 55. Max could capture the championship for sure. And the experience that Max had in there with Poirier up there at 55 is not the same experience he's going to have a couple of years and a commitment later. It's not. But the problem he runs into of this damn bolt keeps chasing him, right? Even Adesanya and Piera finally got it figured out. Which is, I'm great, you're great. I don't like you, you don't like me. Just go up here. Just go up here. Maybe we'll deal with this later. Just go up here and do your thing. I'll be down here doing my thing. Right? They finally got it worked out. And it's not the first time that I've seen this. Daniel Cormier is as good of a wrestler as you're going to come across. He just came up at the same weight class in the same year as the greatest to have ever done it in Kale Sanderson. Daniel Cormier can beat everybody except Kale Sanderson. And they're the same age and they're the same weight class as hell. They were in the same conference. Iowa State versus Oklahoma State, they're right next to each other. There's nobody in the world that could beat either one of them, and they're right next to each other, right? It's one of these things. So what does Daniel do? Well, he changes weight classes, and then he goes on and becomes Kale Sanderson's teammate at the Olympic Games. Instead of one of them staying home, they figured it out. And I just don't know that Max is in that same position. I mean, it's as obvious as it is that a guy at 21 years old who fought at 145 pounds, of course, at 33-year-olds, needs to be a 55-pounder. None of you weigh the same thing 10 years later. 
None of you watching this weigh the same today as you weighed 10 years ago. Why should Max have to? Of course he should be a 55-pounder, and it gets him away from Volkanovski, unless Volkanovski's going up. I mean, do you, you see the risk? You want to beat a guy? You want to beat a guy in life in damn near anything? Outlast him. Outlast him. You're looking around, you're playing baseball, something like that. You got a few guys that are better than you next year. They're still better than you next year. They're still better than you next year. They're still better than you next year. They got a girlfriend. This guy got a DUI, and this guy moved away. You're now the guy. Outlast them. But how do you outlast a guy that might have the same plan as you, which is to get a little parity, which means he's going to move up? Right? I mean, Alex Pierre's entire plan here to move up changes if Adesanya also moves up. It's one of those really interesting spots. It's the move that every light heavyweight missed when John Jones moved up. John Jones took his oars out of the water, decided he was going to leave the division. You just needed one light heavyweight that had anybody with any creative power that could have called them and told them, follow him and follow him publicly. Tell the world he's running from me and I'm following him. I'm coming after him. He goes, I go. He left this division to get away from me. He's not getting away from me because I'm coming after him, even with the fat boys, at whatever that weight class. What is heavyweight? 265? 285, I'm just sharing with you. There's ways to do this, but there's ways not to do it. Sometimes you got to be patient. Sometimes good things come to those who wait, and Max is just in a really tough spot. It really is an interesting position. Max is as good of a fighter as you need to be. If you sit down and dream about being a fighter, you don't need to dream about being any better than Max. You get to that point, all your dreams will come true. Your bank account will look great. People will know who you are. You'll be on plenty of posters. But every now and then, much like Daniel Cormier and Kale Sanderson, you just at the same time. You just fight each other at the same time. So what do you do? I think it's a tough spot. And I think before Max makes a commitment and or a decision, he is right to be patient. He does need to speak up. The fact that they're building number one contenders with one built-in policy, which is keep the guy away from Holloway because he's going to wreck. I think that's the story Max needs to tell, not me. So what's Max going to do next? Got to wait here for Max. Taporia told Volkanovsky, get ready to tap out. Now, tapping out Volkanovsky seems like a very hard thing to do, but I thought it was an interesting comment. It was very simple, like in the world of trash talk or the world of interesting talk or the world of hype, this would be low cannon fodder, but get ready to tap out. I think of Taporia as a striker. That's just what I think of him as. And he kind of just jumped on my radar. I mean, when he became Mr. Water Bottle is when he jumped on my radar. And I never called him Mr. Water Bottle to tease him. Ilya Taporia is a hard name to say. Not now. Not, 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 not now that we all know it. But it was a difficult name at one point. And... I thought of him as a striker. So I went and looked up his record. It's a beautiful record, by the way. But he started off as a Greco-Roman wrestler, at least until he was like 15 years old. And he did this from the country of Georgia. And to put that in perspective for you, think of Giga, who fought over the weekend. Giga's a striker from Georgia, but Taporia, who's also a striker. But he started as a grappler in Georgia. And I can tell you, as a Greco-Roman wrestler, it's a very good program over there. And he does have a whole slew of submissions. Like, his ground game is very impressive. And the fact that he thinks not only can he beat Volk, but that he can tap Volk, I do think is interesting. And I don't think it's hype. Taporia has been letting us in on his level of confidence for a period of time now. And he worked his way and became the number one contender. It turned out that he was right. It turned out, what what is confidence, right? Confidence means he thinks he can win. Confidence means he thinks he's really good. Like he believes in himself. Well, it turned out he was right. There's no other way to become the number one contender, right? It's a very interesting thing. Why is he going to tap him out? What kind of a threat is that? Like nobody is scared to tap out. There is a fear of being knocked out. There is a fear of being TKO'd. Like, there's a tremendous fence of being taken down and pit up against a fence, and there's nothing you can do, and you're just getting wailed on. But what is the threat in tapping out? And why is he going to tap out? 
Well, I'm just asking the question. I mean, when a guy tells me he's going to go and finish a fight, I, I don't hear you're going to finish a fight. I don't hear you're more dominant. I don't hear that you can have your way with a guy. I hear you're not in shape to go 25 minutes. That's what I hear. I'm going to finish the fight or I have to finish the fight. It, it just means I'm not in shape to go 25 minutes. And I don't think that's the situation with Ilya Taporia, but I don't have a whole lot to work with here. He said, get ready to tap out. Like if this was the movies, you've got G and then you've got PG and you've got PG-13. I've actually never seen a G-rated movie. I've never even seen a movie that's rated G. I know that's a rating, but they always put them at PG. Always. Like nothing gets a G rating. Get ready to tap out, we'll get a G rating. But what does it mean? Does it mean your submission game is so much better than Volkanovski's? Because you're also declaring that your submission game is better than Max Holloway's. You're declaring that your submission game is better than Brian Ortega's. You're declaring that your submission game is better than Uriah Rodriguez's. You're declaring that your submission game is better than Islam Magalchev's. Because they couldn't tap him out. And that, to me, would be more interesting. That, to me, would be an actual claim. I'm better than Islam. I would like that. I would listen to that. I'm the biggest threat, and here's why. I would like that. I would listen to that. It just seemed like this one was kind of light. And I am wondering why Taporia is going so light. He's, he's equipped with the ability to spew venom. I mean, when he was mad at Patty the Batty, he was putting out some of, the, some of the great hot takes ever. To the point that the theory that Patty the Batty is being protected, like nothing was more obvious that he was being protected than Taporia trying to fight him and there being absolutely no dialogue in that direction. It was interesting. That's all I'm sharing for you. And Volk came out two weeks ago, closer to about nine days ago, said, I... I'll, I'll fight Tapori. Tapori is next. Only because I don't feel like waiting around for Islam, but Tapori is next. But he needs to be out there talking and hyping it up. I love it. And Volk wasn't saying that tongue in cheek. He knows where his own weaknesses are. He will bring the belt. He will bring the skills. He will bring a couple of different countries with him. He'll bring a number one pound for pound ranking with him. He'll bring all those things. You bring the attention. That's just not something he is equipped with. And we got nothing back, and then when we finally did, we found out that he should be ready to tap out. Like, let's say he said that to me. Just for example, he tells me to be ready to tap out. How do I get ready? Like, if I'm going to Disneyland, I will pack a bag, and I'm staying overnight, so now I'm going to bring a toothbrush in that bag, and I'm going to bring some toothpaste, and I'm going to have some deodorant so I can look nice, and I like to wear a belt, and I'm going to have a couple of different pairs of socks. Like, there's a way that I can get ready. I can pack a bag. I can get ready if I have a test coming up. And I know the subject matter. I can go study that subject matter. I can get ready. How do I get ready to tap out? What do I do? How do I get ready for that? Is it something along these lines? Ah, I could be using my right hand. Oh, ah, he could also get me with the left. Hey, let me get this hand... Let me get this hand ready. I don't think you have to do any of those things. I think you're just ready. You can even yell it. Hey, Herb Dean, get him off of me. Like, there's a lot of things that you... How do you get ready to tap out? I mean, what if it is a verbal tap? Maybe it's a verbal tap. Maybe so you got to get ready. Tap! I feel like I could get... I feel like I could get ready for that really fast. I feel like I'm ready right now. Maybe I should fight Volkanovski. Are you ready for week one? DraftKings Sportsbook is hooking you up with a can't-miss offer to start the season strong. This week, new customers can bet just $5 on college football and score $200 in bonus bets instantly. Anything can happen in college football. Your team could go from unranked to dynasty mode in just a couple of years. Change comes fast. The only thing that's a lock is the great offers from DraftKings Sportsbook. Guys, life's more fun when you're in on the action. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app. Do it right now and use the promo code CHAIL. New customers can score $200 in bonus bets instantly when they bet just $5 on college football. Only on DraftKings Sportsbook with code CHAIL. The crown 
is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-H-O-P-N-Y or text HOPE-N-Y to phone number 467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling at 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort, Kansas, 21 plus, age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. See dkng.co slash football for eligibility terms and responsible gaming resources. Bonus bets expire seven days after issuance. Eligibility and deposit restrictions apply. Guys, the number one question I get asked all the time, what's the most important habit you can build on to be successful? You know what my answer is? Sleep. I am no sleep expert, but I can tell you that for myself, I perform at my optimum level mentally and physically when I'm getting regular deep sleep, and honestly, that hasn't always been easy. This is where Momentous Sleep Pack comes in. Momentous experts created a natural ingredient combination that will help you fall asleep faster, stay asleep longer, and wake up refreshed. The ingredients are so clean that they're used by the best Olympians, pro athletes, and college teams. Momentous Sleep Pack has every certification under the sun, including being NSF certified. I usually take a pack 30 minutes before bed and boom, I wake up feeling like a million bucks. If you're having trouble sleeping and it's affecting your daily performance, I highly recommend Momentous Sleep Pack. Designed by the world's best experts, used by the world's best teams and athletes, and made for all of us, guys. Go to livemomentous.com. Use the promo code CHAIL. That's going to get you 20% off your first order. That's livemomentous.com. And use the promo code CHAIL. Conor McGregor pulled a great troll move, but let's take a look at it, and let's take a look at why. And by the way, I should tell you, I'll give you my conclusion up front. I like it. Look, here's what happened. Sunday, Conor McGregor puts out a tweet, and the tweet is allegedly of a screenshot of a page on UFC Fight Pass that is announcing McGregor versus Chandler, December 16th, T-Mobile Arena, and then it's got a countdown. How many months, weeks, days, hours, and minutes until the fight? You've seen things like this before. Now, it does a couple of things, okay? This is a troll move that can be dispelled instantly. Somebody could see that, send one text white, uh, a message to Dana White, come out and dispel it. Send one text message to Conor McGregor. Send one text message to Conor's management team who likely doesn't even know that he posted it, right? I mean, you could dispel this very quickly. Well, let's say you did. So what? Conor didn't say it. Conor shared a screenshot. He's claiming that somebody else said it. He actually didn't say a single word. He didn't put a caption. He didn't put a thumbs up. He didn't put, I told you so. He didn't put Conor McGregor TKO's USADA, which would really have to happen for this to go down. He just shared a screenshot. Now, if that screenshot exists, how and why does it exist? Was this human error? We saw that with John Jones versus Surreal Gone when that got released and announced prior to the press conference. So is that possible? Sure. Sure, it's possible. If you were to go out and make your own, use digital art, have a designer graphic designer, and go make your own picture claiming that it was Fight Pass. Fight Pass is the interesting part. I don't know of a time that they've ever announced a fight. In fact, I'm quite confident in telling you they have never announced a fight. So if you were to use a graphic designer, you would think that they would make a poster. We've seen that one done many times. Or you would think that they would make a fake sports center clip with Stephen A in the background, right? Like there's a number of things you could do. Why would you possibly choose Fight Pass, who's never announced a fight? 
Does that mean anything, right? Is that, does that even, is that even a clue in a direction that we should be looking? I think that it's very relevant. I have seen this move done before. And when it's done, it's because the athlete is making a Hail Mary pass to get the fight. The theory behind it is if I go out and I make an announcement and I can make enough people believe that it's true, then it spreads and you now have how many dollars in effectiveness in marketing? Why would you possibly unwind that? Why would you possibly go to your consumer and tell them that they have been duped? You instead would do whatever you could behind the scenes to go out and make it true. A very wise man once said, if you tell a lie that's big enough and you tell it often enough, it will become a truth. He's right. Fighters have come out with a lie that they did the right way, and then on the back end, everybody scrambled to make sure that it came through. So what I'm suggesting for you is if this was Connor just having fun, fine. We have nothing to see here. We can all pack up and go home. But if he wasn't, if he was doing a Hail Mary pass because he wants the fight that bad, I would give him a tremendous amount of credit. I think that you guys would too. Whether he got the fight or not, the fact that he's sincere, the fact that he's fighting for a fight, the fact that he's behaving like the other folks on the roster who are competing for positions, I think would be a pretty cool thing. I think it's something that you'd appreciate. That you say, wow, I thought Connor was above this. I thought Connor excluded himself from the fighters and put himself into a different category. I think it's something that you'd appreciate. And I think that would also show a sincerity. And by the way, who's going who's gonna to try to rig the deck when your reward is you get stuck in there with Michael Chandler for up to 25 minutes, right? I mean, like, that's not going to be a fun thing to do. And I will tell you, you want to know what was missing? You want to know what's been missing this whole time? Like, so many people think that it's USADA. That that's, that's the missing piece. As soon as he gets back in the pool and as soon as we run out these 180 days, like, I don't agree with you. I don't disagree with you. That's a part. But do you want to know what's been missing from Jump Street? And it was even missing from this announcement. It's missing because nobody knows. And it's a really weird thing that nobody knows. What weight class are they fighting at? Like, there's never been a fight announcement where they don't say, even, even the John Jones and Surreal gone, heavyweight. And then you get the rest of the information. Or sometimes you'll get the date in huge letters. Heavyweight. It's for sure going to be there. Even in the fake fight announcement, nobody could say if this is 155 pounds or 170 pounds. I'm just sharing for you. That's weird. And I share that for you because I'm tying in and tooting my own horn. The day that this fight was announced, we never had a weight class. So then we had media that went to get it, but the media didn't let the guys know that I'm going to all of the guys. So they went to Connor Chandler and Dane and they got three different answers. And I brought this to you. I remember where I was. I was in LA driving to Fedor's retirement party, his retirement fight against Ryan Bader. I was in the car and I was making a video. That was the day it got announced. And I told you guys back then, I said, guys, this is anything but a fight announcement. We've never had an announcement where we don't know a weight class. That's just simply never happened. And I tell you that because I predicted way back then, man, something going on here was not sincere. Something You don't do a fight deal, and you also don't have a bout agreement signed that doesn't have a weight class. That is not how it works. No commission would accept that. And this was the day that it got, I told you, man, something is off here. This doesn't feel like people in the know believe this fight's going to happen. And even with Connor's fake announcement, I do appreciate the sincerity. I do think that he wants to fight Michael Chandler. And if he's if he's clawing and scratching, particularly for the December date, the only thing McGregor's ever sold, the only thing McGregor's come out and told you he has that he doesn't actually have is power. And he has never made a mistake of having his face pushed in it like the puppy that missed the paper. Never. And he is doing that now. He's taking a risk, but I admire it. I don't put him down for it. I like it. I like that Connor's becoming one of the boys. I like that Connor's going back to what he had to do to get this in the first place, which is scratch and claw and realize it's a business. He knows full well that Volkanovsky wants that date. He knows full well that Covington and Leon have that date, at least in principle. So he knows for himself to get it, he, as a non-title match, is going to have to knock two champions off the bill. 
I'm just sharing with you, that's a competition that not very many people have the balls to play. And if Connor is in fact playing it, I would admire that a lot. I would love that, in fact. But as far as us having a fight or not having a fight based on USADA, the pool, and the 180 days, guys, I got to back you up because I called this from Jump Street. They don't have a weight class yet. You do not have a fight until you have a weight. It doesn't matter if you have an on sale. It doesn't matter if you have a venue. It doesn't matter if you have tickets. It doesn't matter if you have the unified rules. If you don't have a weight, you don't have a fight. And as of right now, they don't even have an agreement on the weight. Israel Adesanya does not care if you don't like him. Now, isn't that interesting, though? Isn't that interesting because he is amongst the most beloved characters in the history of MMA. If Conor McGregor was not seeking an active, unarmed combatant license, Israel Adesanya would be the biggest star in MMA. And he's right there. Right there, going to Australia on a brand new TV deal. They went and grabbed him. I mean, just to explain for you, this is the second time they did a 57,000 live gate attendance. It's the record. And nothing even touches it. They grabbed him. Just for example, this is how big this guy is. Why is he over? How is this famous video game character, rich, world-renowned athlete, remain a man of the people? How does he do that? How can he get in the ring and yell at somebody and have the crowd cheer for him? That's what the bad guy would do. How does he keep remaining a good guy? It's a fascinating thing, but one part of it is he does not care if you don't like him. He is not performing. He is authentic. I don't know that Nick and Nate Diaz were overly these nice guys, or at least appeared to, right? I mean, the people that knew him. I'm talking about that, that, that this was the character and the marketer they brought forward, but they were real. And there's something about that. Here's what Israel did, okay? Sean Strickland has done what Sean Strickland does, right? <laughs> Sean Strickland. I don't want you guys to miss this fight, man. Sean Strickland can get down. Like, don't make for a second that Sean Strickland can't go with Izzy. I mean, I'm really bringing this to you. Let's set that aside for just a moment. Sean Strickland did what Sean Strickland does, and he went out and he was talking about Israel Adesanya. Apparently, Izzy likes cartoons. I actually, I follow Izzy, and I didn't know that. And Sean Strickland says, I'm not losing to a guy who watches cartoons and paints, paints his fingernails. So Adesanya heard about this, and he referred to Sean Strickland as an idiot. But he then said, I'm going to paint my fingernails, and I'm going to use one of them hands to knock him out. And this isn't the first time somebody teased Izzy for having frosted tips. Now, again, I follow Izzy, and I, I just don't remember. I don't ever remember him frosting his tips. But he did say... I'm going to frost my tips. I'm going to go knock this guy out. You want to know what that reminds me of, by the way? Jack Johnson. Are you guys aware of who Jack Johnson is? I mean, allow me to hold class in session because this will be a tremendous treat for you if you don't know. Jack Johnson is believed by the guys that you believe to be the greatest boxers of all time. They believe it's Jack Johnson. If you go ask Mike Tyson right now, who is the greatest boxer ever? Most people that ask Mike Tyson that question will feed him the answer. Is it, is it Muhammad Ali? And a lot of times Mike will say yes, but if you don't feed him the answer and you let him just speak freely, he will tell you, no, it's Jack Johnson. It's not Foreman. It's not Holmes. It's not me. It's not Fury. It's not Muhammad Ali. And that's blasphemy, right? It's Jack Johnson. Jack Johnson fought at the turn of the century when white men were dominating boxing and Jack Johnson comes in. And this is where you still have these massive racial tensions. And they tell him, the Klan tells him, if you beat this white man, we're going to go and kill your black brothers. That's a quote. And Jack Johnson said, then go kill him because I'm going to knock this white man out. And then he did. This was a time when a black man couldn't marry a white woman. 
Jack Johnson married three of them. And one time he took her on a honeymoon. He drove, he drove across the state line, which was a federal law. A black man could not take a white woman out of state. It was a federal crime. They went and arrested him. He did it again. <laughs> Jack Johnson, he didn't care about nothing. He would be in the ring. There would be Klan members outside the ring. He would be taunting them while beating up this white guy. Clayton Hires told me all about Jack Johnson, said he was the toughest guy ever because nothing could rattle him. Not only was he physically superior, nothing could rattle him. Guys, I'm seeing Jack Johnson-esque within Anasanya. He does not care. Whatever, whatever it is you're going to do, whatever the punishment is, wherever this takes me, I'm going to beat this man tonight. And we believe him. He's not joking. He's not joking around. It's a fascinating thing. It really is. The rise of Adesanya is almost like nothing I've ever seen. Michael Bisping has earned the right to an opinion as much as anybody that's ever done the sport. And Michael Bisping called Adesanya's fight against Marvin Vittori. That was Adesanya's first fight. And it was close. As a matter of fact, it was a split decision. It was a split decision, and angry Marvin came out because he thought he should have won that decision. I don't know that Marvin's wrong. It was a close fight. And what Marvin had discovered is if you take Israel Adesanya down, you can keep him there. And that shouldn't come as a, a big surprise when you have a tall, skinny kickboxer from New Zealand who's never had a wrestling match. That shouldn't come as a surprise. But Marvin wasn't like Joe Wrestle himself. One judge thought that he won the fight. And you want to know what? One announcer did too, and that announcer's named Michael Bisping. And I'm not sure that they're wrong. It was a really close match. But now we know how to beat Adesanya. That's my only point. We'll skip over his next fight. Fast forward to the one after that. Because now he's locked in there with Brunson. Who does have a wrestling single and does know how to wrestle. It never even hit the ground. Never even hit the ground. And then... I don't know if it was the next fight I'd need a timeline, but somewhere in the very near future it was Kelvin Gatslam, another guy who can wrestle, and Kelvin took him down. Izzy not only got up one time, one time Izzy threw up a triangle that it looked like he was going to get, but this was the progression. We see right away how to beat this guy. Take him down and keep him there. He's not going to get any better. Come on, he's fighting in three months. He's not going to get any better. He might get a better idea. He might get a little better training. He's not going to get him. Nobody gets better in three months. Well, he did it with real little bites. He didn't solve the wrestling problem before his next fight. He just found a way to get up off the bottom. He found a way to deal with his wrestling problem. And then you move a little bit forward, and all of a sudden you can't take him down. And then, then you move a little bit forward, and you're in there with Yoel Romero. Now you got a skinny kickboxer from New Zealand taking on an Olympic medalist wrestler from Cuba. 25 minutes, he couldn't take him down. Don't think you need to correct me and tell me there was a takedown. I'm well aware. But you, you get my point. In 25 minutes, if he got him down one time, I mean, a broad stroke here, he couldn't take him down. And watching those progressions from Adesanya was something else. I mean, it really was. It was an amazing thing. And I remember when Machida got his run in the sport. Ed Soros goes out and he makes a whole bunch of t-shirts of which he sells them all. And all it says, it's got Machida's face on it, and it simply says, karate is back. Everybody was wearing these, man. They were so proud. There was this entire uh, market that thought this sport was moving on without them. And Machida grabbed them all and brought them back. And I just know that feeling because I had no idea that wrestling was a skill or a martial art. Dan Severn did that for us. What Machida did for karate, Dan Severn did for us wrestlers. Man, we started walking the hallways with our chest out a little bit. It was a very cool moment. Israel Adesanya did that for kickboxing. He didn't quite get the same credit, but he did it. Had Izzy not taken this risk and come over here, you, you don't know who Alex Pierre is. Because Alex Pierre would not have come over. Izzy inspired. Even if it was a rival and an enemy, he inspired. He did not care. He did it his own way. You want to go have some fun? You want to go down a rabbit hole? You go look up Jack Johnson. I did my best to give you a real quick version. Go look up Jack Johnson. And you are going to see Israel on the side.
whoa, whoa, slow down, slow down, slow down. Maram, Maram, please, I would have called you, by the way. If I had your phone number and I knew how to reach you, I would have called you. I got to come at you like this, though. Look, Marab has come out with a statement, and it was today. It was today to my eyes, which means he could have put it out late last night. He's going to wait. He's going to wait until Sean O'Malley and Aljo do their rematch. And once they rematch, that will then open the door for Marab to come into a title fight. But between now and then, he's going to wait. Okay, I stop here. I go back to the very go back to the very first word. I read the whole thing again. Because there's room that's open for interpretation, right? Like Marab is definitely fluent in English, for sure. But it's not his native tongue. So sometimes you gotta you gotta kind of read and you gotta make sure that everything's just right in the same order. When Marab said he was going to wait, I had hoped and assumed that that meant I'm going to wait to take my title opportunity. I'm going to wait to zero in and bring my fan base and start using whatever bureaucracy I have learned within this sport to go after the title opportunity, regardless of who the champion is. In this case, it's Sugar Sean, but regardless, it's just an opportunity for the belt. That's not what it was. I assumed wrong, and I'm glad that I reread it because what Marab is saying is, I'm going to wait, meaning I'm going to do nothing else. My next fight will be for the belt. I am willing to wait. In fact, he qualifies it by saying, I'm even willing to wait a year if that is what it takes. Now, the reason I'm saying timeout. I'm not going to get in the way of the friendship. And I've seen many people try to do this over the history of our sport. It generally works. Somebody tries to get in the way of a teammate's friendship. They don't like, right? People will demand loyalty within sport. Martial arts, they'll talk about honor and respect. There's nothing more honorable and respectful than having loyalty, by the way. But as soon as somebody actually tries to show it, then all of a sudden we're not doing martial arts here. We're in a business and we're... I'm not going to get in the way of it. And I've seen it happen, and it's a very easy thing to do. You don't get the guys together. You do an interview over here. Maybe you, maybe you quote them. Maybe you team up with some weird question. Maybe you even misquote him just to, to get the headlines out there. Then the other guy hears, then he's got to change his stance. He got to change his stance. And all of a sudden, Rashad Evans is headed out uh, to Florida, and John Jones is staying at the gym in Albuquerque, right? I mean, it's like one of these things where this does work, and I don't have any interest in that at all. Not, not even a little bit of this is my intent. My intent is something different, which is to just tell Marab, okay, what is the litmus test for this, though? If you're willing to stand down and wait for Aljo to have his rematch with Sugar Sean, of which Marab believes that Aljo's going to win and then go up to 145 pounds, but what I'm sharing for you is that when your phone rings and you're given an opportunity, no matter how massive that opportunity is, when you turn it down and try to talk about, I've won nine fights in a row, I've proven who I am, is that contingent on the fact that Aljo has a backdoor deal, that he's had a conversation, he's got a, a reasonable expectation that he will get Sean somewhere in the near future? Because if not, it would really seem as though Marab is risking his career. Marab is great. He's a great talent, and he's beaten former world champions. He beaten Jose Aldo, who was consensusly one of the greats to have ever done it. Like, Marab does have the paper and resume. We don't do anything in this sport based on paper and resume. Marab's got a beautiful ranking. We don't even know where to find the rankings. I would guess Marab is ranked number three. I don't know, and I can't confirm it because I, I don't know where to do that at. So, what I'm sharing for you, the only way you can wait, and over the 30 years that they've been setting that octagon up, you could count on way less than one hand how many guys waited and had it work out for them. But for the guys that you could identify spread over those 30 years, they will all have one thing in common, which is they have the mandate of the masses. They are wildly popular and famous guys. 
They are stars who know how in between fights to keep that star nice and shiny and bright, which is a trick and an art all into itself. I mean, completely in and to itself. If you're not fighting, how do you stay in the media? And I do not believe as much as I like Marab that he is equipped with that skill. In fact, I'm not even sure that he knows that it is a skill. I'm not even sure that he's aware that it's something that has to be done. And I don't say that to be disrespectful. There's very few guys that understand what's actually going on here. And a guy will always show you who he is. If he comes out and tells you, I've won nine of my last fight over world champion. Okay, he's in the second category. Okay. The champion of the world in the division right now, who is Sean O'Malley, did not win nine UFC fights to get there. Just, just so you understand. Like, that isn't a criteria. If it was a criteria, Sean wouldn't be the champion of the world right now. It is not a criteria. Steve Miocic, who will be fighting for a world championship next, not only didn't win nine of his last fights, he didn't win his last fight. Just so you understand. But I don't know that Marab does. So, if there is something at play, and that is what his teammate is going to do, and that was the deal that they made, and even if they ran into a little bit of a road bump here, we're going we're gonna to straighten things out. We're going to get the bus back on Main Street. It's not my business. I would stand back. I would fully understand that. I'm not convinced that Marab is the number one contender. I don't think it's a clear-cut contender. I think you could turn to Marab on any given night. Sure, I do. But I don't think he's a clear-cut contender. There's a guy named Nermagomedov. I don't know a damn thing about him. The time I was going to learn about him was going to be in Boston last week, and he didn't show up. But I do know that he's undefeated. I do know that. I want to say it's like 16-0. and 0. So by Marab's criteria that you apparently need nine straight somewhere, well, this guy's got 16 straight. And even if I have his record wrong, I'm just sharing for you. Of course Marab's in front of him. Of course he is. But not according to Marab. Rob said, if you've got 9 and 0, so now all i got to do is find a guy that won 10. According to him, just to win the argument with him. That's not how it works. And I could only imagine a year from now trying to resurrect an argument that isn't working today. When I heard of potential number one contenders, I thought it was Corey Sandhagen for a number of reasons. Now I know that things change very quickly. I would have to assume that Aljo as champion, falls down one notch. Considering there's one completed round and he won it, I would assume he falls into the number one position. He goes from champion to number one. But he didn't call for the match. And simultaneously, you have Cheeto Vera, who's been doing some very beautiful things himself, beating world champions himself. Oh, and by the way, was on the exact same card and is the only guy, according to everyone except the Sugar State Athletic Commission, to have the only win over Sean O'Malley. So it's just one of these situations where if Marab wants to wait, I would not get in the way. Nobody's asking him to fight Sterling. And for a while, that was the comparison. Hey, you're doing great. You look like a number one contender. Here's the champion. Well, I'm not going to fight him. Okay, great. But that's not the situation that we're in now. So if there is going to be a waiting process, but you understand that Aljo isn't next for Sean, it looks as though Cheeto is. And we don't even have a date on that, but in a best-case scenario, it's the very end of the year known as December. Now, that's going to be a tough card to get on, considering Leon and Colby have already been earmarked for that, and now we're armed with the fact that Volk wants on that same card. It's going to be really hard to get three title fights on one card, which means now we're going into 2024, and that's just for the fight that is the fight before there would even be an opportunity to get Aljo and Sean back together. And I just don't want to see Marab make that mistake. We're not asking. So I got to be really clear on this because loyalty matters to Marab. And right now is his chance to flinch and say, I've done this too long. But he's not doing that. He has proven who he is. And it turns out he's an awesome guy that you can count on. But the scenario is not the same, Marab. Nobody's saying that you're the number one contender and you have to go fight your friend. That's no longer... The situation. And there's no guarantees of how Cheeto versus Sean is going to go. And as a matter of fact, if it goes the way the last one did, right, where, where, where it's just everything changes really, really fast. 
I believe the record for title defenses in that division is Aljo, and I believe the number is two. If I'm wrong, it's three. That's in the history of the sport. That's a hot potato. And things change really fast. I don't want Marab to misunderstand that or think he's the number one contender now and of course he's going to be a number one contender a year from now. I don't believe he is the number one contender right now and if he sits out a year he's anything but. Whatever his ranking is is going to be pulled if you wait X amount of time. It's a very important moment and if the number one goal here is to prove your loyalty, Marab, I promise you have and you are respected for it and it is honorable just want to remind you, when that deal was made, it was so that you didn't fight Aljo. You're not being asked to fight Aljo. You're changing the deal, and you're stacking the deck against yourself. Dennis's last chance. Now, that's a lot of pressure. I just stuck pressure on my own guy, didn't I? Well, it's true, and Dylan knows it. I don't think there's going to be an issue here. I do not think, regardless of illness or injury that Dylan pulls out, he never has before. And that's a great misunderstanding. I know I keep hitting at this, but this is Dylan's story to tell. Dylan did not pull out of KSI because he was hurt or because he was injured. There was something else that happened. I'm just sharing with you. He's never told the story. I'm just sharing with you. This is his last shot for sure. And it was great that Mams called for it. But this whole uh, Dylan's crazy and Dylan's a madman. You can't count on him. Dylan was given this opportunity in spite of the KSI debacle because people like him. He's a very reasonable person. If you ever talk to him, he's a very nice person. He comes out, he's, he's got a job to do, and he's going to build, he's going to build interest, and he's going to get under your skin. And all of those things are true. But the reason that the Paul situation arose is because people like Dylan. And that's just the truth of the matter. Now, I do want to bring to you, who is he training with and where is he training? Like, that is always a question around Dylan. When Dylan was getting ready to go to Abu Dhabi and he draws Gordon Ryan in the first round, they go to, to war for 20 minutes, of which was dead even, by the way. Dead even. It went to the judges had to score because the, it was either, I think it was zero to zero, but there's a part of me that thinks it was one to one. I was there and I watched the whole thing. I'm just sharing with you. Nobody really knew where he was preparing at. And when Dylan was getting ready to box KSI, nobody really knew where he was preparing at. And nobody really knew where he was sparring, who he was training to the point that we didn't even know who's going to corner him. And that all came from trust issues. Like Dylan really was looking around and he didn't know who his friends are. And I, I bring this to you because when I tell you it's his last opportunity, when Mams gave him this opportunity, they also made it very clear to Dylan, we're ready. We're going to do this opportunity, but we're ready and the show's going to go on. Number one, we're not main eventing you. It is wildly obvious in terms of attraction that Paul versus Dennis is the top attraction. They have outdone KSI and Tommy Fury from a public interest standpoint. There's nothing anybody can do about that. They just, Dylan and Paul and the personal stuff and threats of lawsuits. I'm just sharing with you all the way back to the water balloons, even though that was Jake. Like, I'm just sharing with you that has stolen the day, but Mams has also brought in. Mike Perry. So I feel it's a very meaningful part of the story because now you have a commitment from Logan Paul. And I think Logan deserves credit for that. Logan is clearly telling the world, I'm going to compete at this weight class under these rules on that night, the end. And I don't think there's a lot of guys you could do that with. I don't think there's a lot of guys in boxing and or MMA 
that are willing to bring their skills at a weight class at a time, the end. Meaning I don't care who the opponent is. Meaning it's not, I got a personal beef over here. I got no beef over here. Either way, I'm competing on this night. I don't think there's many people you could do that with. Logan deserves credit, but it also changes the dynamic for Dylan. And I don't know in which way. Does that motivate Dylan? Does he love the idea of how successful he and Logan have been at building this into an attraction? Or does that put an unforeseen pressure on him? Does he love the idea that while he's got the power in his hand to put the phone down, not pick it up again, and bring a huge disappointment to everybody, which is something that a bad guy would do, but he knows it's going to be smooth sailing because Mike Perry's sitting there. Does that motivate him to go through with it, for lack of a better term? Does that motivate him to not care as much if he chooses to not go through it? Right? I mean, it's, it's one of these things, like the mindset comes down to the preparation. If you ever have a guy who's confident... And you really believe it. He seems confident at the uh, press conferences. He looks confident. He tells you he's confident. If he really is inside, if he truly inside is confident, that comes down to one thing. Where's his cardio at? That's it. If you're confident, it it's because you believe you're in better shape than that guy. In a worst case, nobody cares about who hits harder, ever. I saw Mike Tyson make a comment yesterday, right? If anybody's got the right to opinion, it's Mike Tyson. But he was talking about a, a punching power. No athlete cares how hard that opponent hits. That's 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 in the guy that that doesn't fight's idea. That's in the guy that that doesn't actually get in. The guys that actually get in there could not possibly care less if that guy bench presses 500 pounds more than they do. The only thing they care about is in a worst case scenario, which is the end of the night comes around this fight still going can i hold up more than you can hold up if i believe the answer to that is yes i'm going to have a confidence and you know why i take the time to illustrate that point to you because it comes back to the very first point that i made i don't know where dylan is training when i see him he looks great so i know he is training he's in shape he's gonna make 185 pounds so i know that he is doing this process but i don't know with who and as the match gets closer, everybody's going to wonder. Everybody's going to have that same question. And if you are confident that you have paid the price and you have done enough, then you will have a confidence in the contest. And even though I'm singling out Dylan for this, I could have used these same words for KSI. I could have used the same ones for Bobby Fury. I could have used the same ones for Logan Paul. Like the scenario doesn't change. But the opportunities do. When I tell you I'm very confident this fight is going to happen, when I tell you I'm very confident that Dylan is prepared, when I tell you I'm very confident that the show is going to go on as planned, I'm also very confident when I tell you this is Dylan's last chance. today's episode thank you for listening and remember that if you want to support the show all you need to do is follow the podcast on apple spotify or wherever you are listening i'm gonna be back with another episode on friday until then i'm chael sudden and you are welcome